Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. is loaded and one out. Oh my Central. god, deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Brad Slash. Hello and welcome back everybody to another episode of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast and I'm your host Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Tonight joined by Mike you guys know him as SP Streamer. You can follow him on Twitter at SP Streamer. And we are actually joined by a very special guest this evening, Alex Chamberlain. Alex, welcome to the show, man. Appreciate you coming on. Tell everybody where they can find you, where he works at, all that good stuff. Yeah. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, hi, I'm Alex. Um, I write at Rotographs, which is the fantasy baseball portion of Fangraphs. This year, I started writing at CBS Sports for their sports line content, but mostly just doing rotographs right now. Um, I am going to contribute to Joe Pisapia's um, Black Book this year, so that comes out in like January, I think. Um, so that's cool. Um, and you can uh, find me on Twitter at Dolph Haldhagen, um, and I always say that I'm never going to spell it. So if you want to find me, you got to earn it. Um, <laughs> you got you got to earn it. You got to earn it because it's a it's a dumb it's a super dumb Twitter handle. So well, it's okay. It's me. okay because what I do to help everybody else out on the actual like I'll I usually put your name in the title and I usually put your Twitter handle so people can actually see it on oh, okay. iTunes. On right. I make it very friendly for people who you know want to follow our our. Not, sure. Yeah, but yeah. Bef- before you came on, Alex Mike asked me too he's like do you know how to pronounce his twitter i said i have no idea <laughs> yeah off hall digging yeah i've heard i've heard you say it before another podcast but I, i'm yeah. like uh I, it's a tongue twister for me so this is episode 53 and a lot of it's just going to be talking about some of your work and eventually eventually the idea is to talk about a few players you like dislike for this upcoming season but Honestly, I completely forgot until Mike mentioned it as well that you actually, among all the other things you mentioned that you're um, doing this offseason and have been doing, you also spoke at First Pitch Arizona. Is that your first time doing that? Or, like, is that something you do all the, annually now? Like, I didn't it's, realize it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of become an annual thing. I mean, I you know, two years in a row, I guess that counts as annual. Um, <laughs> I'd say I, so. Let me think. Uh, so I've been going for three years. Um, my – first year yeah my first year I was on a panel so like I um I went to 
they used to have the um these satellite first pitch arizona meetings in the spring um so like la or not la but like long beach uh who who knows where else all over the place i am originally from southern california so i made it to the long beach one um i guess ahead of the the 2016 season or the 2017 season 20 2016 i think i mean i don't maybe i'd only been writing for like a year um and i and i just went and i i introduced myself to brent hershey who's like the 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 uh, what is he he's he's some he's kind of some <laughs> editor he's an editor of like the 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 baseball forecaster um yeah. for uh baseball hq um and so i introduced myself to him and he um you know reached out three years ago and asked me if i wanted to be on a panel and i was like hell yeah that'd be awesome pardon my french i don't know if i'm allowed to say the h word um <laughs> and uh so that was cool and then um the next year came around next year being 2018 and um brent like reached out to everyone for like uh, presentation and panel ideas and i told him like yo it'd be cool if we talk about x woba because that's like the big thing now with Statcast. everyone's talking about expected woba blah 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 and he's like that's great make a presentation you got 45 minutes to talk about it so that was last 45 year. minutes jeez was yeah. that was that really nerve-wracking for you it was it was cool um it was it was a little nerve-wracking because like i still didn't feel like i'd really um necessarily like proven myself you know like i yeah. i feel like i had uh you know i still had to grind my teeth a little bit wait grind my teeth is that the right idiom anyway that's just like what people do in their sleep which i still do so it's fair um anyway i don't know what i'm saying but anyway i still you know i had to, i had to like you know prove myself i felt like and um so that that was nerve-wracking because like i think most of those people they're like don't know who i am the way they know that like who you know or like paul spore or right. jeff erickson or, or yeah that's why i had I, that that's why i had to ask i was like i was looking at some of these names i'm like geez like it's intimidating just looking at the list of names on here you know and the reason why I really looked into it is because I'm actually planning on going to first pitch Florida because that's where I live. Okay, so yeah. wasn't sure if, if that's a part of like what you might be doing. Cause if so, maybe I'll see you there, but yes, yeah, so I might be taking my first trip to one of these cause I've always wanted to attend. And now that I've jumped into this analyst role over the last year, it's like, now it's like really intriguing to me. You know what I mean? Like it's more intriguing now than ever before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I can only imagine that if it's anything you know, I, I would actually wager, I would say that it's probably going to be, I mean, there's, they're going to have like wrinkles that they're going to need to iron out in terms of like programming and, and um, logistics and stuff. But I think like being really like within like close proximity to draft season is going to make it so much more intense um, than fall. And like the fall one is super good. So I'm like, I'm not discounting the fall one at all, but I think like having the whole element of like, there's going to be like ADP that we can talk about. Um, there's going to be like all sorts of, like, you know, we're going to have like people are already going to be signed to teams and stuff. Like there's no more, um, guesswork involved in that, or, you know, hopefully like less guesswork involved and there's going to be a lot more, um, solidification of what these rosters are going to look like in people's roles and, and stuff like that. So I, I think it could be even cooler, um, than Arizona. So with that said, I'm not going to be at Florida. Um, <laughs> I just have like way too much stuff going on. Like, it's like the first uh, is it in february or march it's um literally the end of february into march 1st so yeah so like first weekend of march would be first pitch and then second weekend of march is like a fan thing in arizona and then third weekend of march is um tout wars and um Jeez. and that's in new york 
so i can't go from like florida to arizona to new york it's too much stuff but like yeah. if i ever make it into labor because like that's where the labor draft is going to be now yeah i was gonna if ever got invited to, yeah if i ever got invited to labor like i would obviously go um, i'm not like <laughs> hopefully no one in labor is like listening to this but if they are like i'm not like dying to get into labor it'd be obviously like a huge <laughs> honor to be invited but um it would be cool just to be able to do both at the same time to be able to go to that other first pitch. Um, uh, what do you call it? Conference. So it's supposed to be the first time in Florida. So it's kind of like, it's kind of exciting that my, my first time gets to be like when it's, it's an inaugural year, like you said, there's gonna be a lot of kinks to work out, but it's gonna be interesting. And I don't know, man, this stuff has been really rewarding. How long have you been at? Like, it seems like you're pretty, you're progressing pretty quickly. You're, you've made a good name for yourself and you obviously have earned the respect of your peers in quite a, quick time it seems like how long exactly have you been doing this and how did you get started exactly um so i started writing at the beginning of 2015 um, so i've yeah it's been like five full wait 15 16 yeah five full seasons <laughs> uh i started like i was still in grad school and fangraphs had an opening like a real writer opening uh and i was just like all right yeah uh let me I'll, i should apply um see see what happens um i went through the whole interview process i didn't get the job um and like frankly like looking back on it like i wouldn't have hired me either which is fine um but they were like you know your interests are are better catered to um fantasy and like we, you know we we liked what you like the clips that you sent us or whatever um so you know just took me on to the fantasy you know the rotograph side of it i've just been there ever since so when people ask me like for for advice um i always tell them that i wrote like my own terrible blog for like a year um okay. that like no one knows about and i'm not gonna like reveal how to find it here but i did that for like a year and i got like three anywhere from like three to six views per post <laughs> so like really like not doing it for anyone other than myself but like I, I practiced, like I basically practiced for a year. And then like when the time came and I applied somewhere, I had things that I could show people that like, regardless of like how many views or whatever they had, like if it was good enough quality, you know, it doesn't matter like who or where you're writing for, like they're going to want you. And I think, you know, I think they liked what they read this, you know, despite like this being like a, a blog post or whatever, like uh, hot hot uh what are, what are those old like uh internet pages that you could make like back in like the late 90s oh and early my goodness like, I, hot pages or something it's uh, <laughs> honestly that, that's no. a little you know what i mean like, it's like it wasn't hot wire because hot wire anyway anyway so it was like you know like <laughs> anyway a crappy blog that i wrote myself that you know that no one knows about but it, it you know i think it paid off so it's not just one of those things where like just because you're good at fantasy you can write or do do analysis like everyone has won leagues before you know like that doesn't really mean anything yeah oh for sure and honestly it's you're kind of what you did not inspiring is part of it but i don't want to just be like oh my god you're like this huge inspiration like you are obviously (laughs) you know i mean like your story is very it's inspiring to a sense because it shows that you can if you put the work in and you're willing to you know hone in on your craft it shows that you can move relatively quick into the industry if you if you put in the effort it's just and that's kind of what i'm saying is it kind of similar to what me and mike have done we both um mike actually started his own website and writes his own stuff i was fortunate enough man like unless like my first few months i picked up on writing i initially got into this just wanting to podcast you know i just love talking my voice is just 
I love my own voice, I guess. I don't know. I just, <laughs> it actually started off. It started you definitely off as, love your own voice. <laughs> oh yeah. I talk, I talk a lot. I, uh, it actually started off as a solo pod. Like I had no, I had no real intentions or actual direction of what I wanted to do initially. And then it turned into, I started writing a little bit for like a smaller site that was just fortunate. was just happy to have me on. Um, the guy there, it's actually the F- FSGN, Blake Sullivan, is the guy's name he uh gave me a chance to just start writing and it turned into now i'm working now i'm writing for fan tracks and that was like way bigger than i ever ever anticipated getting this quick and it's just like like you said though it's just a matter of putting yourself out there willing to take the criticism and the trolls that come with it and um kind of <laughs> kind of go with it man and especially on reddit <laughs> oh dude reddit's a monster yeah Twitter is way more encouraging, but a little rough. yeah, I actually don't do a lot of Reddit stuff. Like I, I have like, if you find me on Reddit, I have like eight posts um, <laughs> and like, I, I've tried to like wade into those waters a little bit, but I just don't use Reddit normally. Um, and I'm just not very, like, I'm like the equivalent of like an old, like, you know, like an old person finding the internet for the first time. Like, that's me on Reddit. Like, I don't know what's yeah. going on. I don't really I know, know how anything works or why all, it's working the way it works. Um, so all I, just, like, I know is how yeah. to post. All I know is how to post on Reddit, and I do it for the clicks, man, because it it gets it gets out, it gets me out there, it gets my it gets me some exposure. It's really that's all I use it for, though. I don't go on there and surf it at all. That's Twitter. I, I'm on Twitter a lot, but yeah, Reddit I'm, Reddit I'm is just to my, put my life way. on Twitter. <laughs> don't, don't we all? <laughs> yeah, everyone here. But yeah, sorry, I lost where I was at on my thing here. Sorry about that. That's no, fine. Um, I can bring it full circle though. I presented I presented this year too on um on like my pitch leaderboard mm-hmm. and like pitch type analysis. So that's three it's like two two straight years of presentations and like three years of going and being on panels and um yeah, it's cool. I think like doing presentations like wears me out. Um like well, it's, I can it's imagine, really man. rewarding, but like I think next time I'm just gonna go and chill. <laughs> yeah and just like kind of enjoy enjoy it and they want me to be on a panel and that's cool too like i that part the dude the panels are super fun and like listening to those panels and like having like eric carabell versus like Derek van riper versus um versus paul spore versus ryan bloomfield talking about these guys and like arguing over them is is really funny. fun so i saw well, they're doing are... a lot of podcasts too there yeah so there's like i don't know uh, previously i think there was only one podcast night but this time they split it into two and they they recorded at least four if not five different podcast episodes and so like the first night and the second night they just like carve out chunks where those podcasts get recorded and you can just go in a room and listen to them and participate if participation is warranted and right um yeah it's super cool that's um, awesome and uh i don't know how that all works in terms of which podcasts get chosen, but obviously like sleeper in the bust and um, stuff like, like stuff that sort. Yeah. And like, yeah, like the Eno and Derek, like the barrels yeah. and beers one, I think recorded there. So like, you know, some like high, high profile podcasts. It's pretty cool. So you mean, you mean tell me there's a chance that basically <laughs> I, am, I am saying that, but I'm, I'm not, I'm in no position to make it. So there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. We've been very fortunate, man. I mean, honestly, I'm very surprised. I mean, I'm not so surprised now that I realize it's people are so willing to be a part of like, hey, like you were willing to, like, we reached out, you were willing to come on super appreciative of that. We've had a great Albright, which I was surprised. We've had Bogman. We've had some good guys come on and just be willing to donate, like donate their time. That's the best way to put it. Like, like, like we are just like, 
please help us. And, um, <laughs> and it's just, we just can't be more thankful. And it's been an awesome experience getting into this industry and just meeting all these people, including yourself. It's just, it's, it's really more welcoming than I ever expected. And definitely the opposite right here about football. So that's, that's oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like pretty far removed from the whole football thing, but yeah, the, the, I mean the, the whole, like you said earlier, like the, the whole community is like pretty, pretty welcoming and everyone's super like super encouraging and pretty cool and like i mean cool like considering that we're all like dorks um, yeah, yeah. When you meet everyone in person you're like oh my god we're all such dorks um, <laughs> but uh no you know like everyone everyone's like pretty supportive and like you know it's it's uh it's i i thought i would be embarrassed to go to first page like i i i feel bad for saying that because like exactly I mean, it is like really like it is a pretty nerdy thing in in, re- in reality but like it is it's like one of my favorite days or one of my favorite weekends of the year now. So, um. well, I mean, it's, I, I feel like the, the closest thing I could probably feel to what you felt was like telling my parents, I do a podcast, like <laughs> telling, telling my friends and family that like, this is what I do for fun now. Like this is, I write fantasy yeah. articles and I, and I host a podcast. Like this is, I tell people that I used to be really like, like you said, shamed is the wrong word, but like embarrassed is kind of the wrong word. Embarrassed. But yeah. Embarrassing. But now, I don't understand it. You know, like what now, like, what are you writing about? but now it's like second nature now i tell people and i'm almost proud of it because i've realized so quickly i feel like i've accomplished a lot compared to what i like expected to and i'm seeing that there's still growth to be had and still and still like you know a bright future ahead at least in my opinion as i see myself very confident and and i'm just i have i have high goals and expectations for myself so with that said it's like it's just it tur- it's turned into a thing i'm proud to say i do which is weird because at first like you said it's like it's super embarrassing and nerdy but i mean these days being a nerd is a cool thing, man. Like we yeah. win, <laughs> we win. But you mentioned your charts before. I kind of want to transition to that. Now, Mike, other Mike, I should say, you've been dying to talk to him about his charts. You love his charts. <laughs> Mike, Mike loves I use your it charts. every day. <laughs> He's super into the, obviously streaming pictures and pictures in general. He's kind of that guy for us. So Mike, here's your chance, man. <laughs> ask away because i'm still trying to figure that damn thing out i won't even lie like oh, sorry. it's not it's that too, complicated <laughs> it's like it, there's a lot happening though like if you go to it for the first time it's like oh, yeah shit. it definitely took me several you know times going to it to get it down a little bit well, yeah. and i feel like even now i still find stuff out that i didn't even know it was well, on and it. and I've, i'm also self-admitted that i'm really good at breaking down a hitter i'm really good at looking into hitters and offense and finding sleepers and finding like possible breakouts i've found that that's my strength pitching is not yet pitching i'm okay at i'm i'm good but not not nearly where i need to be so when i went to your i understand the stats i understand the metrics but when i look at your chart it's just something i have to get comfortable playing on and i just but again i'll, I'll stop talking now sorry mike go ahead Woody. <laughs> go ahead well, you've been you've been dying for this man no well my first uh main question is i wanted to know uh what caused you to think of this and to start it essentially yeah, so um, there's like there's a few kind of different um, kind of like uh, you know impetuses Reasons. here. Um, yeah, um, so like on baseball prospectus, they have they have a pitch leaderboard essentially, um, but it's not very good. It's not very good, um, and it's like super slow and like the way the stats are organized are not very friendly. But like I that was one of the first things that I. I used when I realized that like pitch type analysis might be important. Um, and obviously like I knew it was important. Um, I've used things like Brooks baseball, you know, right. for a while. Um, so it's not like I didn't know 
how or why, how to analyze pitches and why I should be analyzing individual pitches. But um, I just like, I kind of, I kind of knew intuitively that like, I would be a lot better if I knew like what the average four seamer looked like or what yeah. the average slider looked like, et cetera. And so like the first version of this was actually not even a leaderboard. It was kind of like, um, it's kind of like a, like a chart like a like a, a scatter pot or a scatter plot excuse me um that you could like pick different variables and have the pitches plot on the scatter plot so you could pick like x-axis is swinging strike rate and y-axis is ground ball rate and so like the farther up in the right hand corner it is it would be like that pitch has a really high ground ball rate and a really high swinging strike rate and that's when i like started to like kind of hone in on like whoa this guy is really good because he has these two really good pitches and like kind of understanding like really how good those pitches are compared to everything else like right. really like for finally kind of understanding the context of everything and i i kick myself because like i had known prior to blake snow's breakout that he had the he had two really good breaking balls breaking, yeah. yeah yeah and i was like but the the, the um you know the command sucks um you know, maybe it's a small sample thing. Um, just didn't really think twice about it. But like, you know, it's one of those things where like you can do this kind of analysis and you can see the leading indicators of like why that happened, you know, like you can go back and it's not just like it happened overnight. Like Blake Snell had the stuff and like, it wasn't like he wasn't a prospect or anything, but you know, like the, the, it wasn't, it wasn't random either. Yeah, so anyway, right. um, I, I hadn't like, not until before last off season, I had like, no stat cast experience really like i had been really daunted by digging into it because it's so vast right oh yeah terrifyingly big and complicated and, yeah. like i'm a data guy you know but it it was like one of those things where like i was like so overwhelmed by it that i just couldn't bring myself to do it but i knew that like that's where the edge is is like people using stat cast so um and i knew that it had like a bunch of pitch information so one day i just like wrote a script <laughs> i yanked all that data off of um off of Statcast. so do you have a do you have like a background in programming or yeah i have a okay. master's in okay. economics and so like i yeah, I, know oh, some coding. I do some coding at work <laughs> there you go yeah, yeah i know so yeah. i'm predisposed to this kind of stuff but which is yeah great. so I, I wanted to like replicate i wanted to replicate like what the pitch leaderboard was for for baseball perspectives but not load so slowly and to use the, <laughs> the new stat cast data and basically i just like took all those different inspirations like modeled it kind of after the fangrass leaderboards um and yeah. uh you know that's kind of the end of it um and uh, you know it, it's been tweaked like a whole bunch since last off season but I, i'm finally like honing in on something that i like like on the right side right now, there's a bunch of filters for all the metrics and I'm going to get yeah. rid of those. Cause like no one uses them. I don't use them. Rob silver is like the guy I first talked to about making this. He's, you know, he does the launch, uh, launch right. angle yeah, yeah. podcast, um, on fan tracks. And, um, even he doesn't use those filters. So like, it's just a matter of like paring down and getting the essentials in there. And I have to say, I never use those filters on the right either. Cool. See, that's the <laughs> feedback that I need. Like, I, you know, I don't, I don't use them either, and I'm the one who put them there. So I think I'm gonna get rid of them. Yeah. Just kind of simplify things so it's not so like right. Because like you said, like it can be like kind of daunting, and like I'm not a, a user interface person. Like I don't know anything about this stuff. I just made it, 
you know, I just made, I'm a guy who, who made the <laughs> thing. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of like, that kind of feedback is good to have. So hopefully it'll be a little simpler going forward. I'm going to be adding some, like some deserved metrics and stuff on there. Um, oh, that'd be cool. cool. That'd like be I awesome. Have, yeah. I have like a test version of the leaderboard that a few people have links to that has like an expected strikeout rate and expected walk rate on there right now so i'm kind of like dabbling with that kind of stuff so so i have one thing i don't know if you ever thought about so when you go to different pitch types mm-hmm. um so when you don't when you go to the overall like outcomes and specs like you can sort you have the starts like you could adjust how many starts this way you could eliminate relievers mm-hmm. are you going to add something for the pitches to do that so, like, when I'm looking at different pitches, if I just want to compare starters or relievers, I have to kind of, you know what I mean, like, kind of just yeah. eliminate them with my eyes, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's um, that's definitely doable, and I should actually write that down. Um, it'll be – it'll take some work, um, but I can, I can probably get it to – Yeah, that would be, like, out. the only critique I could think of because whenever I look and I'm trying to compare starters – and I'm like looking at who's like the top five ex Wobo with like four seamers, but then it's hard. I got to try and like eliminate relievers, especially if I'm looking at like only like a three month sample. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I know exactly what I have to do, but I'm too lazy to do it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like the off season. I'm feeling inspired. Like I've already started to like overhaul some things. So yeah, that's like one of the things that I can. I yeah. can probably implement. I mean, it's I've, a, I've always it's wanted amazing. to do that. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've wanted to get the starting picture, like just a, a simple like SP versus RP filter. That right. would be the that'd yeah. be ideal. That'd be that awesome. Just, like not have to tell people like, yeah, just set it to one game started. <laughs> That's yeah. the easiest way. But then you get guys like Chad Green in there too. So it's no, right. you know, it's not perfect. Right. <laughs> With the openers being a thing now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. kind of ruins it. How so, much? Uh, oh, sorry, go uh, ahead, Mike. No, go ahead, Mike. Well, I was just going to ask, so when the 2020 season starts, is it going to be – a whole new table will this just update automatically uh yeah yeah it's gonna update automatically well semi-automatically uh-huh. i mean it doesn't run like when my computer is closed like it, it has to run when my computer's open just because of the way that tableau works like it pushes that data um like yeah. manually kind of and um i'm not smart enough like there's a way to probably to automate it um but i'm not smart enough to do that so uh gotcha. it kind of like is based on my work week and it's like if i'm on the computer it'll push um, and if I'm on vacation, y'all have to wait. So, um, <laughs> but right. the, like the layout is going to stay enough. the same, generally yeah. speaking. I'm just getting rid of like, you know, like I said, getting rid of some clutter. Um, now, are you getting a lot of people using this? Like, can you see how many users are checking uh, yeah, it? I can. Yeah. Um, I have the pitch leaderboard has 17,000 views right now. Um, wow. And like that, uh that was before, like, I actually had to make a new link. And so I lost like, the very first day that I, I presented it. I think I got like 8,000 views. So it's probably like total for the year at like 25,000 with wow. like literally a third of it happening on the first, like three days of it being available. And another third, another third probably being Mike over here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't see it until like the end of the season. Somehow I never oh. saw it, heard of it or anything. And, living it's under definitely, a rock it made my life a lot easier <laughs> yeah low-key no. like i mean i i use it a lot like i try like i'm embarrassed to pimp it um but at the same time like i made it for a reason and, you know there's like it has a lot of functionality that i just can't find like literally anywhere, anywhere. else yeah definitely. um so i i use it all the time i use the split finder probably most often because i can just hone in on a specific yes. guy 
and it just has all his pitches there and you can look like year to year or month to month like that is my favorite tool I didn't even think like I made that as an afterthought. I was like, oh, this will be probably helpful. And it's like yeah, the, yeah. the splits is awesome. Plus, you could see how their pitches progress throughout the year. Right. Did you mention? I thought I heard mention of a hitter chart potentially in the works too. Yeah, it's uh, it's made technically, um, but I just have to I just have to unveil it. I basically all I did was like I mean, I'm using all the same data, but and basically all the same stats. I mean, obviously the pitch like FIP and XFIP are not going to show up for hitters. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. yeah, like I'm going to have the same version for hitters where it's like, this is how Mike Trout batted against sliders awesome. um, in 2019. And then also like the overall thing too. So like, this is how Mike Trout, you know, batted for the season. And then you can break down like each pitch type. You can do it by date, um, et cetera. Like when, when do you think you're, when do you think you're going to release that? Um, I have some things that I still need to, um, you know, I, I have some updates that I'd like to make. Um, and we're not like too far into draft season and prep season yet. Right. So I'll probably wait until like 2020. Um, yeah. you can't rush like, perfection, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah, wondering. I gotta <laughs> yeah. make sure that like, I am not, you know, like last off season, I spent a lot of time on this and then I just like, and I did not prepare well enough last year. And it's one of those things where like, I just need to make sure that I, you know, spend time on me first. I need my me yeah. time and then, yeah, will, and then I'll, uh, you definitely. know, refine this one. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I want to, I want to try to have it ready by like no later than the beginning of February. And then no, everyone has like that's a, awesome. Like a good couple of months with it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Be perfect. And I'm the, and I'm like a big, like I said, I was a big, I'm a big hitter guy. So I bet you I'll be able to pick up that chart a lot easier than the pitcher one, <laughs> but I really do honestly, cause I've, I've not only obviously do you swear by it as the creator. And like you said, you don't mean to pimp it. And, but Mike's, did nothing but talk well about it and i've heard other people really speak well of it and it can't, it's definitely it's definitely on literally i have a list of to-dos because i have a lot of stuff going on this off season and part of my to-do list is to learn that to learn how to use your table because i've just heard of how useful it really is for for analysis purposes so and i looked at it a little bit today so like 15 views are probably for me today and yesterday <laughs> just just dabble just playing with it because the best way to learn just like anything else just like any other website or anything else is just to get in there and kind of yeah play around, play around. Yeah. And next thing you know, I'm on a screen. It's not loading. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I broke it. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. That, my, my least, my one thing that I don't like about Tableau is that it'll like, if you leave it sitting there for too long, yeah. it'll just reset. Resets, and, it's like, yeah. oh, and then like, you can't download anything. Um, <laughs> but like, Hey man, awesome. If you could down, like if you could download a spreadsheet, like that would be like, whole, you know, Holy smokes. That'd be the, best part of yeah awesome. thing. but it, you know it's it's a it's as good as it can reasonably for like one dude in his office so so no, man, you you're doing no you're doing god's work man like you're, <laughs> yeah like, you're, you're, it's really in all seriousness though it's it's a lot of work price. well it's uh yeah I would, I would say but it's a lot of work and trust me it doesn't i mean at least on my our end it doesn't go unnoticed because we're putting out you know we put out basic material in comparison and even that material takes time and effort because you know just the editing process all that i couldn't imagine actually running actually mike and i kind of do something but on a far smaller scale we put out daily charts he does a pitcher one i do a hitter one and mm -hmm. but it's a far smaller scale obviously and it's it's different but it's we get the idea and we can understand the amount of work and effort that goes into it and i mean i know you probably don't get enough thanks for it but we are no, very... no, trust me i do that's I do. good <laughs> no, that's good no it's good people, it's people, deserved, people you know? uh people are pretty happy about it and i'm happy that people are happy you know like it so, would have been cool if like one person liked it and it's awesome that so many people have, you need to get it sponsored you need have like you ever, i was gonna say no. have you ever thought about bringing it to like rotographs and like seeing if they're interested on like 
put it on Fangraphs or anything? I did. I did bring it to Fangraphs. I was like, yo, this is what I'm working on. And David Appleman is the guy who runs Fangraphs. And right. he was like, wow, this is really cool. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I don't want it. And I was like, really? Oh, cool. And it's like, and I, I totally get it. I mean, it was like, um, you know, there's like a very, there's like a very specific like style at Fangraphs. Um, gotcha. And like all their data is like on us on server somewhere. And this is like, he would have to trust me to like just have my data like on my yeah. hard drive kind of thing. So like it just logistically wasn't going to work, but I think right. like, I feel um, like someone should, will pick it up eventually. Maybe, someone right? I, I can say with very, on very certain terms that someone will have something like this soon. Ooh. And that's all I will say. That's but it won't fair. be yours. It won't be mine. Although um, I have been approached about this specific one and someone else like maybe might pick it up also the specific one. And that's all I'll say about that. Also, I kind so, of have a feeling that cool. one of them is pictureless. <laughs> um, Just saying. Uh, uh, <laughs> I can't say. Just saying. Um, my, my, anyway. my <laughs> old, I mean, obviously, you don't you don't sound peeved by any means because if you were like, no, I'm not. I'm not. Well, like, because it, if you were like, I, it sounds like the way you made it sound is like someone's taking your idea and running with it on their own thing instead of just. It's almost like taking it and making it theirs instead of like giving you the credit for doing all the work. Like, it's no, kind of it's. Up. it's Cool. I I'm I'm actually involved with the the one that I know of that's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> that you um, know of. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, and then maybe the I mean, like you know, baseball prospectus technically. Like I stole that idea from baseball prospectus technically. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you know, I but I did you? But did you do anything? Uh, you know, like this isn't to me like this was the next logical step. So it's not like it was. Right. You know, like this isn't some like proprietary thing. Like the whole point, like, is to just you know, this is publicly available data, just like summarized in like a really super yeah. Way. You just put it all um, one one place for people to. Yeah, 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 and I think like you know, I think I, I've had you know, I, I you know, I had a good a good year of it being the place to go, and I think I've inspired some pretty uh, you know important baseball people. And that's like a pretty cool thing, you know. Like I, I don't need like more than that. Although if someone yeah. wants to pay me like tens of thousands of dollars, like that's cool too. Um, but in the <laughs> meantime, like that. the recognition, you know, just for on the basis of pride, you know, like that's that's it's a cool thing. So maybe yeah. if somebody could pay you and then take your name and put as seen on Alex Chamberlain's tableau. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like in like eight eight point font in the bottom right. Like thanks, Alex. Well, yeah, with, with the Lashford, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. speaking of metrics obviously you're really into them i just want to talk about it a little bit we talked a little off air a little bit on twitter about your expected barrels you were mentioning that you're still working on things what exactly first off what are you trying to accomplish with it what are you trying to really figure out and what seems to be the kinks you're working on if you don't mind kind of all encompassing that in one yeah, thing. yeah. question i'll try to articulate it the best i can because <laughs> yeah. like it's well, one of those things where it's like it's so it's actually probably a lot easier for me to talk about it than it is to write about it um, perfect <laughs> so let's let's give this a shot so like the whole deserve barrel thing is like you know a barrel so let's define a barrel like a barrel is a specific combination of exit velocity and launch angle right um and so those are all based on like these combinations are based on just like observed outcomes that the guys at Statcast, like the, the guys at Statcast, have seen like these specific combinations have produced high quality outcomes so they kind of just like slap the barrel label on it 
So um, I got the actual definition right here. If you'd like. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, actual... not, it's not that helpful because it's like kind of like it's like a black box a little bit. But if you like dig into yeah. the data, like you can figure out exactly like what the equation is. So like, you know, if the if the basic building blocks of a barrel are exit velocity and launch angle, um, then I basically my hypothesis was that if you take someone's average exit velocity and someone's average launch angle, you can probably predict or at least like not predict, but at least estimate what their deserved barrel rate should have been. Um, and there's kind of like some underlying assumptions about control, like hitter talent. And what I mean by that is like, I kind of assume that everyone has small control over how hard they've hit the ball all the time and they have small control over like what angle they hit the ball at and that's like you know i mean that's why guys have different launch angles and exit velocities like if they didn't have some kind of control or natural talent like everyone would just be the same at all times and there would be no just you know just differentiation between everyone so there's kind of like this acknowledgement that people have or the hitters have some natural talent that lends itself to like hitting within specific ranges of exit velocity and launch angle but not that much control over it such that like because there's so little control over these certain properties of hitting that like you could you could just take the averages and be good enough is kind of like the premise of that um and it it's 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 now i'm finding that it is kind of difficult to explain but i think you i think you get what i mean like hitting you know guys succeed only 25 to 30 percent of the time um you know guys hit drive the ball straight into the ground they pop it up it's not like if they had if they had perfect control over their launch angle or their exit velocity they would be batting a thousand with like a hundred home runs right so it's kind of one of those things where you're just kind of like you're using your intuition to kind of explain like well yeah like these guys are good but like there's so much luck involved. Um, and so like, I wanted to just, I just wanted to see like how well exit velocity and launch angle explained barrels. And obviously because they're like the two building blocks for it, they explained it really well. Um, and like, I was looking at some of the examples of some of the guys at the outliers, like just looking at my data and seeing like, you know, Aaron judge in 2017, like outperformed his dessert barrel rate, you know, when he hit 52 home runs and then the next year, like came back down to earth. Um, Matt Chapman in 2018 was like way under his dessert bail rate, hit 24 home runs. And then in 2015 or 2019, excuse me, like basically played to what his dessert bail rate was and like had the, the true power outburst that we, we, we could have seen, like we could have expected it had we known that, had we like looked at his dessert bail rate or whatever and seen that he had underperformed by such a big margin in 2018. So I think that there's some value to it. I'd like to think that there's value to it. And it has like a really high correlation with real barrels, et cetera. So like, it's not like it, it's bad, um, but I was looking at the predictive value of it. So like, does deserve barrels in 2018 better predict barrels in 2019 than just regular barrel rate? So like, right. if I wanted to know what someone's barrel rate in 2019 was, would I want to use 2018's barrel rate or 2018's deserve barrel rate? And I found out that you just want to use the regular barrel rate. Hmm. I was like, that kind of sucks. Cause like the whole point was that like, you're kind of weeding out the noise. And I don't think that the, 
the equation the way that it's set now is good enough to do that but it's also interesting to know that like that barrel rate's pretty sticky from year to year like if a guy has a glow up in barrel rate you you can probably expect that it'll stick it's just one of those things where it's like <laughs> the flip side of that coin is like well maybe he got lucky in the 2018 barrel rate should have stuck so like it's hard to know which which one you should believe whether someone's barrel rate goes up or down and i, I guess it's yeah. in the eye of the beholder um ultimately um you know i think deserve barrels is still really good like at the outliers the extreme outliers so the guys who overperformed like a really big margin or underperformed by a really big margin so like the aaron judge in 2017 the matt chapman in 2018 and then potentially like the pete alonzo in 2019 who had like a 20 percent wait like a 15 percent barrel rate and his deserved barrels was only like 10 percent because he doesn't actually have like that high of an average exit velocity for being like a huge power guy um so that'll be interesting to see if that actually plays out the way that i'm expecting it to which is that he isn't necessarily like a true 50 homer mm -hmm. guy he's more like a 35 homer guy um mm -hmm. so we'll we'll see it'll be interesting to see how that's validated but i think kind of the crux of what I'm getting at here is like having learned that about the model um, like I'm, I'm less inclined to like look at small differences and really just want to use it only for like the really big, big I think that's like the safest way to instruct people how to use it and that's like I think that's that's probably reasonable for most models like that like any kind of like expected BABIP or whatever like there's going to be guys who outperform and they do it like you know all the time like there's just guys who Always up from their ex babip yeah yeah Mondesi, <laughs> yeah. the guys in ex woba like you know you know exactly how certain guys are going to out overperform or underperform because they're like slow or they're fast or they're pull heavy or whatever right. so like there's just there's always going to be different guys who do that and i think that always you know that certainly applies to um to the deserved yeah. barrels as well uh, excuse me deserved barrels as well um so yeah just the biggest outliers is like what i want what i would hope people if they're listening to focus on and then right one day I'll, um, I'll tighten things up and um, maybe it'll be more predictive than regular barrel rate. Did, that would be awesome. I'm just not sure it will get to that point. Did you try and see if it was more predictive over like three or four years instead of just yeah. one year yeah. to so another? I used, yeah. I used um, 20, I used all stat cast data. So like 2015 onto 2016, 2016 okay. onto 2017, et cetera. And um, it was still just the big outliers that kind of, I think so. I okay. think so. And I, and I like, and I asked, I also look to see like if guys, like if there's a relationship with the guys who overperform in one year, do they do that again the next year? And there is a relation, a relationship there. So yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. I'm not, I'm not totally surprised. I guess I'm a little disappointed. Um, but yeah, you like, sound, you sound a little beat up by like, you. Sound <laughs> yeah, I just wish that I like, I feel dumb for not looking at it sooner. Um, but at the same time, again, like, I think there's, there's value there. It's not like I just like, oh, this thing isn't helpful anymore. Like, I think just in certain, like you just looking at certain data points, like this is cherry picking and people might discourage that. But like, again, looking at the Aaron judge and the Matt Chapman and everyone like that, like you can find where it's valuable, but those are the guys at the extreme. So I, that's where I would recommend people looking if they're sounds, doing any off season research. I was going to say, it sounds like an article you could throw together. <laughs> perhaps, a, few, perhaps. A, few, a few names over and under achievers mm -hmm. even break it up into two articles look at that <laughs> just saying I may, I may be interested in that but i'm glad you brought up alonzo because i have an ongoing feud with like half this podcast <laughs> no because alonzo early adp was like 
ridiculous. He was going like second round, like early to mid, like mid second round sometimes. And now he's, you know, falling back into the thirties range, but he was an early bust for me because of that ADP. Cause I'm big on value and there was no value to be had there. And now if he say he is closer to a 35 home run guy, but like a 250, 260 hitter, that still doesn't really justify being taken in the early thirties. So I, how, what are your I, thoughts on him? At this point? I agree. I agree. Yes. I mean, like let's, let's just talk about like odds, like just the probability aspect of it. Like he just did something like literally historic. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Like, it's like a top, 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 top 1% outcome. So like to, to expect that he performs at, at a, at a, at a level that's better than elite um, consistently is probably pretty foolish. The same way yeah. that like we were foolish to expect that from Aaron judge even though it looked like totally legit, like you just, you watch it, like it passes the eye test. It even to a certain extent, like passes the, the stats test. Um, but um, like, I think just intuitively, like, you know, it's going to come back. Um, even if the ball is still like as juiced as it was, like, it's just is unreasonable to expect 50, even 45. Like I think 40 is, is interesting. I'm, I'm probably going to expect closer to 35. And if he's not hitting for average, which he doesn't, um, then there is like a slight problem there, um, yeah. but he could he could prove me wrong, and I'm open to that. But I'm probably not going to have any of him on any of my mm-hmm. teams. You can get the thing is like you can just get so much power anywhere else. Um, you know, like Edwin Encarnacion. As if you're doing early drafts right now, and you can get Edwin f- in the fifteenth or like eighteenth round. Yeah, his his he'll, uh, he'll hit thirty five home runs. You know, like even though he's old. Yeah. And he'll hit like 230 or 240. He'll give you legit power, and you know that's bankable. Um, and there's like really, you know, his profile is pretty stable too. So it's just one of those things where it's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna expose myself to that risk. I think so early on where I can get bankable power later, but I'm not gonna like fault anyone for chasing that 50 homer upside again. It's just not me. Yeah. I'm gonna take Matt Olson 30 to 40 picks later every oh, time. Oh, I love Olson. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's going in a good spot, too. Well, he is. He will be for now. You have to get him early because he's going to creep up. He's going to be like a big riser come, like, February, March, man. It's going to be – it's going to drive me nuts because <laughs> – but, yeah. So, you mentioned the eye test, and this kind of falls into just – do you – you're a numbers guy. We've all kind of – and I think what bothers me is not, not enough people – like, you still have a lot of people that don't want to buy into him at all. I think it's foolish. I feel like the metrics – so like there's somewhat the answers to a test you pretty much have your study guide but there's still an eye test like how much do you put more weight do you put a lot of weight into the metrics and obviously the eye test still matters but like like how much like are there are other times where the metrics even like you just won't buy into them because you watch the player play a certain way and vice versa like sometimes a player's underperforming you see that they belong do should be doing better but the metrics don't necessarily back it up like What's your relationship with metrics? How much do you depend on them? Are you really he- obviously you're heavy into the analytics, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty heavily dependent. And I think it's more of a one way street where I will use metrics to kind of um, not discourage, but to kind of like um, break down biases that I have from using the eye test. Like I think I think we develop biases more easily by using the eye test. You know, just just mm-hmm. like looking at him, and you know, you see Pete Alonso's home runs, and they're like, they're no doubters. And you're like, I mean, they say what you want about the metrics, but like this dude friggin' crushes balls. 
Um, <laughs> you know, there's really no question about it, but that's like exactly when you want to use metrics to kind of like reel yourself back in. Whereas like the eye test doesn't really do that for me. Like I don't, I don't like look at a guy and I'm like, Oh yeah. Like screw the metrics. Like this guy is going to come out of it. Um, but like, I, I will, I will look into things like based on things that I see, but I, I know that like when I'm using the eye test, so to speak, it's always a small sample um, and anything can change like over an inning or over a game or over a week, et cetera. So um, yeah, like I said, more of a one-way street for me. I do like depend on it, but the metrics definitely weigh more. And I think, you know, the, the biggest thing metrics can do is you just have to be able to interpret them the right way so that they are revealing to you the same way that like, you can't just see that someone's, X woba is way higher than his regular woba and assume that he's going to regress or to see like you know this guy has a 350 babip he's going to regress to 300 like it, th- those rules of thumb like don't they don't exist anymore frankly like i feel like that that was a thing and i think that was real i, I want to say that was real for a long time and there is a lot of merit to it but the this this new crop of like young hitters they're just so they're so different and the the tools are so loud like everyone is super aggressive mm-hmm. and everyone like swings out of their ass. Mm. They strike out like crazy. They don't walk and they put like, they have mad contact quality. Um, and it's just like the, the game, like the projection systems aren't and the, all the metrics, they just, they aren't ready for it. It's interesting. Um, so I think, and like, it's, it's only going to keep going like that, you know, the Acunas and the Tatises and, and the biases and the Hiuras and like, these is just going to, it's just going to keep going like this. Like I think the, especially because pitchers are beginning to become more adept at crafting pitches and like optimizing their arsenals. Like it's just kind of the natural progression of the game is like hitters aren't, are going to become less contact oriented and they're going to start selling out for power. And um, we're seeing it like, I think it's only the tip of the iceberg right now, but we're seeing like some pretty prominent examples from like the 22, 23, 24 year olds that are dominating the game right now. Yeah. Definitely. That was a now, tangent, but yeah. No, it's no, fine. It's fine. Because, <laughs> well, 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 I'm curious because it sounds like you're intrigued at the same time, kind of like, like the way you presented it was like, you're intrigued by these new wave of hitters, but at the same time, you're kind of like skeptical. Where's Acuna for you? First, second or third overall? Um, I think, um, <laughs> well, I just wrote, um, I, mean, I just wrote about this for the black book and I actually can't remember who I put first. Um, and for me, it changes yeah, daily. I think, <laughs> I think I put, I think I put Acuna. Um, and let me, let me uh, just go to Christian Yelich's, uh, what's it called page real quick. Christian Yelich. So, um, you know, I think, I think it's fair to his fan page. Sorry. I probably never said that out loud. Um, he, uh, you know, I think it's fair to, prioritize Acuna um he's younger um he ran like crazy at the end and I think people want to speculate on that kind of pace um you know kind of sustaining through 2020 like if you can happen to capture like a 60 steel pace or whatever Mm -hmm. in 2020 you want to be able to do that and um I think I think Yelich is probably a safer bet but I like the idea of Acuna going one. Um, and like, I did this mock draft in my head and it was like Acuna one, Tatis 24, uh, 
Starling Marte 25. And so it was just like, wow. it was like a hundred steals and stolen bases, like right oh, off the geez. bat, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was like, that's, that is fun. That is super, <laughs> super fun. And like, I feel like, you know, I, I was one of the guys who was like off of Tatis this preseason because um, his projection was down. And like, I'm definitely the guy who hedges bets. Like there's a lot of guys who have been like Tatis in the minors before from a stat standpoint there's a high probability that he's not going to be so good that he's going to blow my pants off. But, you know, I took that risk and I was wrong and I'm willing to wear that because like, I'm just playing the odds, but obviously like the guys who drafted Tatis and could hold him and then use him, they, they profited like really handsomely. Um, Yeah. And he's got like, you know, even if the power isn't real, which I don't know if he's going to be like, if he's going to come even close to that same power pace, he's got the steals, kind of like foundation so like even if he he busts he can be like a a 15 30 250 guy and that's going to be really good because no one runs anymore so so like a jose ramirez yeah 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 and like a little without bit the like, plate discipline though yeah like the exact like the on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms like, of like discipline and contact but like yeah. getting to the same place effectively um, but anyway, I went off the the rails a little bit. I think Acuna would be cool, and I think there's I think there's just the the promise of him being like what twenty three or whatever that there's going to be a little more upside there. But you mm-hmm. you really can't go wrong with either one. I would take both of them over Trout though. Like I think people like scoff a little bit. Like you know Trout's the best player in the game, and I think Trout has the highest floor, absolutely the highest floor. But he's not going to steal thirty or forty bases, and that's I don't think so either. It's nah. huge. It's no, huge. I... So I think I'm very. I'm actually very okay with Trout being a consensus three. I'm okay with anyone you take. Know. I want. I want to pick third in every draft this year. Yeah, and, and just, just take whoever's there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Every time, yeah. if I can, if I can pick third, or or I do love auctions. So whichever one, like I'm big on stud dud because a lot of my auctions are home leagues with twelve mm-hmm. teams. Mm-hmm. So whichever one of those three go cheapest, if I have a chance to figure that one out, I'm going to take them. Like I want to have one of those three on my team because they're all great foundation pieces. I understand Trout's – I'm worried about Trout, too, because it was it three straight years of 140 games or less. Two out of those three years, I think he had injuries, one being, like, the thumb, the foot now. And I don't know Joe Madden. I haven't looked into Joe Madden's teams as far as, like, stolen bases. I, it's like, isn't he, like, middle of the pack? I could be wrong, but I know Joe Madden as a manager is there now. And I don't know. a lot of changing I'm, parts. I'm just not going to, like – I'm not going to – I'm not, I'm just not going to expect stolen bases, you know, like yeah. I'm not going to draft trout yeah. and be like, yeah, he's getting 30. Like I'm drafting him for 45, 10, 320. Um, and it, it is, is what beautiful. it is. Like you're going to get <laughs> yeah. it. You're, you great. know, you're going to get it. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I I'm, so I'm for auction. I'm totally studs duds too. And I, I think I'm super into to drafting third because you're gonna, you're going to be locked into the, the best three no matter what. I'm actually kind of like scared of fourth. Um, oh I yeah, like a foregone conclusion that it's going to be like Mookie Betts or Cody Ballinger, and I think I think both are okay. But like, I like Lindor. I'd rather man. just wait at that point. I would <laughs> yeah. rather like if I don't get yeah. third, I'd rather just wait until like. I'd rather be at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, as the draft goes on, what you have like you have Lindor who falls sometimes. You have Soto who falls. Arenado really falls. Rendon yeah, it's like be the he, lowest for him probably this year for Arenado. Which is, which he's is been crazy. like top five for like forever. Because he doesn't steal, and there's just such a need for steals because second round is littered with Freddie Freeman. Rendon goes late first, early second. You have, like, those types of guys with the same skill set, a little lower of a floor, but still very high floors in all those the same four categories. So right. it's easier to fill that versus everyone's prioritizing speed. So 
it's just going to be a good value. He might be somebody that people look back on and think, why didn't I take him for $10 more? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that's again, we're good. We're getting good on tangents right now. Um, <laughs> I don't want to keep you too long. I appreciate you uh, hanging out with us for a little bit, but um, lastly, I want to hear about your general approach to evaluating players, I guess, like as off season goes along and how you find guys you like and don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, um, I wish that I had like a, a really concrete system because last year I, it really showed that like, I, I wasn't, di- I wasn't disciplined or diligent enough to like look into everyone. Um, I think one of the things that I tell people in addition to like my, my writing advice is the, the, the least you can do for yourself is to make yourself familiar with the entire player pool. And that's really dramatic, but like you definitely want to know like pretty intimately, like the first few dozen to hundred or 150 picks or whatever. Like you don't want to make, you don't want to build the core of your team by throwing darts. Um, so like <laughs> the least you can do is to like, just go to each guy's page and to form some kind of opinion. Um, even if it's not, even if it's not like a very well thought out opinion, like to just go to his page and know what he can do. And like, whether you've like strongly considered if it's sustainable or not, like at least, you know, what his production looked like, um, et cetera. And I, I would, I would strongly recommend doing more than what I just recommended, but you know, at least do that. When I write for these publications, like I'm doing captions right now, like that's, that's really helpful. Oh, Cause yeah. it like, it oh, forces definitely. you to like synthesize an argument for or against someone. Um, and it's like, it's be, like, it's probably my favorite thing to do in the off season. And like the guys that I write captions for, I have the most clarity about, and like, I've made like really, really good picks in the past few years. And they've been the guys that I've like done deep dives on. So like in a perfect world, if I had 70 hours in a day, I would just write, <laughs> ca- I'd write a caption for everyone yeah, everyone, or like the yeah. first 150 guys or whatever, you know, um, so with that in mind, like I, I try to, I try to do a deep dive and, um, you know, my, my analysis type isn't, or style isn't like overly special. In fact, like I've, as people ask me this, I have been more inclined to say that I'm trying to, to simplify more, like the longer I do this, like mm-hmm. there's so much information. Um, oh, it would take you, it takes like an hour or two per player if you really did it right. Like that's how right. I look at it. And it's like I, one of those things where, oh yeah, go for it. Sorry, go for no, it. No, no, sorry. I was just going to say that because I actually write some deep dive articles and these players, like when I'm writing one player, that one play, that one article will take five to seven hours between diving in, taking that information, trying to regurgitate it in a way that people understand it, trying to make sure I understand it, make sure I'm reading it right. Yeah. This is one player. Now, yeah, trying to do yeah. this for 150, 200 players isn't realistic. And you know right. what I think helps too is like, like Mike's, right now for fan tracks is doing a lot oh, yeah. of um you know rankings for each position 30 and, 30 deep every time man yeah and i just uh, i just released my top 100 pitchers and with each pitcher i put a little blurb on my thoughts mm-hmm. on them and even just doing that i felt like i Huge. got to know each pitcher so much and i have yeah. an opinion on 100 pitchers now yeah and i yeah. feel like that's gonna do you know dividends when it comes to draft day yeah and honestly like just forcing yourself to write a sentence about someone like if you're just using an excel workbook just forcing yourself to write to articulate a sentence or opinion about this person and why not even a whole full caption like just one sentence or two sentences like that's better than just keeping it in your head because you're not going to remember right on draft day too like what your opinion is like i have made opinions about guys and then you come back and you're like why was i even into this guy 
and so like it's at least good to have it documented you're like oh i like them because of this and you can like argue with yourself later about it or the other um, reason like why was i so high on him right like, like, right. like i've had that like devers like I, i'm not gonna go on to that but for some reason like I, I was down devers just a tad and now i'm looking at him again and i'm like why and i wish i like you mentioned i wish i had those notes i wish i had that reasoning what something about his something just made me turn him off turn off to turn off to him a little bit right i can't find it now but <laughs> exactly so i think like when i when i'm evaluating someone you know there's there's so much information now and i i've reached a point where you know a lot of the a lot of the the kind of foundational sabermetric things that have come out like just babip and home runs per fly ball and those things like they 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 you know fip xfip for pitchers etc um they they do a lot of good explaining on their own like a lot of the the new metrics and stuff that are coming out are only adding like a little bit more explanatory power to what we're trying to do and not that that's not significant but it's just like when i look at a guy i still look at you know i'll still look at his fip and xfip and sierra like that'll be the first things i look at and like i'll compare mm -hmm. that to era and be yeah. like is this guy a buy low kind Definitely. of thing and then I'll, I'll dig in farther i like to look at their pitch mix and stuff but i do it the same for hitters like you know a lot of the times the guys who are overperforming in x woba or underperforming or whatever are guys with like really high babips or really low babips or really high home run the fly ball rate or the opposite and it's just like these kind of like old school tenets that we used to rely on they kind of just are running parallel with a lot of this new stuff just with not as much information and not as much you know so not as much explanatory power but still like you're still getting to the same spot it's just not quite as informed so just kind of embracing that and like knowing that you can't look at everyone to just it's okay to like take the to not not i don't want to call it a shortcut but like you know it is okay to like use some of the old school stuff if you're not like a stat cast guy like you're not you're not missing out on too much it's good to know but like a lot of my stuff so far in this preseason in terms of getting familiar with people has been looking at sierra k minus walks fip x fip whatever for hitters looking at babip and i do look at x woba and stuff but you know looking at his his other batted ball profile stuff too, soft contact rate, hard contact. Yeah, rate. I mean, I'm just, I'm just like everyone else, put my, put my pants on one leg at a time. Yeah. I don't know about you. I try to jump and put them on. A I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm a special, I'm a special case though, man. But like, I do the, like that's what I'm saying. I still keep it very simple with pictures, and it's worked out well. But then when I speak to someone like you or Mike, that just is more comfortable researching them, it makes me want to better myself. But my big things outside of the FIP, XFIP, Sierra, those are like, like you said, those are really the first three things I look at outside of ERA. And then I look at the K minus walk, just like you, kind of the same steps. My next step, I'm very big on looking at Arsenal, like usage change throughout the season. Like just like when Tyone started using that slider so much more the second half of 2018 type of thing. And I'm big on um, velocity change. Like Clevenger dropped a mile per hour every month after returning from injury last year. Stuff like that is like really intriguing to me. So then I'll start looking at, well, let's see what happened during these months when the velocity dropped the mile per hour and kind of see like now was that, was that change, was that drop due to him being fatigued because he just upped his velocity coming into the year or was it him dialing it down so he doesn't re-injure himself? And that's the type of stuff you have to start thinking. That's why Clevenger is one of those guys where I still have ranked pretty high, but stuff like that creeps into my head as like little doubts, like little doubt pockets just pop up, like stuff like that. And then I have to start doing – then that's when I have to go into the deeper analysis, like each pitch breakdown and stuff like that. But I'm just – It's a just, rabbit hole. It's a rabbit yeah. hole. 
no, it's, it's, it's totally, you know, it's a totally real rabbit hole. And like, incidentally, like I, you know, I, I just said that I keep it simple, but this, this preseason, I actually haven't written any pitcher captions yet. And I think I, you know, for all these guys that I'm doing deep dive pitcher captions on, I'm doing the same thing. Like I'm going to be looking at Arsenal. Um, I'm going to be seeing who added what pitches, who changed their usage, how pitch pitch specific performance changed based on changing specs with the pitches so like if velocity increased or decreased if the movement changed if if if, if release point (laughs) changed, you know those kinds of things and like and that's still just guesswork you know like there you can only you can only interpret as much as you're seeing and like people will interpret it different ways like without without really knowing exactly how all these things kind of like interact with one another and like being an all-knowing being um you just have to like make your best guess at like what the relationships are there like maybe less velocity on a breaking pitch is better, you know, for like Corbin who had like the second, his slower slider, right? like just kind of like elevating his game. Like he had already the best slider in the game, but like elevating it by having like an even slower version of that. Um, and just having those different velocity differentials, like those are just kind of things that and you guys already know this, but this, the, the various like random things that you have to look for that you, you can't necessarily like, there's no cookie cutter, version of analyzing some guy's arsenal or pitch like they're always different and i think that's the most difficult part yeah. is like you can't just approach and be like yeah he's got a good slider or whatever like it's just never it's never that easy and they're always so different so real quick i gotta ask you about one player brandon woodruff what are your thoughts quick thoughts <laughs> uh i so i uh haven't done any brandon, oh, okay. brandon uh, woodruff, but i'm gonna i'm gonna okay so let's 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 do it like in you know, in real time, real here. time. I'm pull them up on my pitch leaderboard, please. Um, because Woodruff. so I, so I will acknowledge that like, I've, I've heard a lot of talk about him this preseason um, mm-hmm. and this off season. And people seem excited about him. I have him on my list of guys that I need to evaluate. Um, I'm going to tell you right now that I'm a little concerned. Oh, I feel like he only, he only has two pitchers. I feel like he, he, um, he, is instantly reminding me of um i have to look him up right now he reminds me of zach wheeler um which like isn't a bad thing in fact it's like a pretty good comp i would say um obviously um wheeler has like the splitter um and he has he doesn't have a change up um i think like off the top of my head but the thing with with wheeler is that like none of his pitches are like legitimate put away pitches um you know like his best I think like the best swinging strike rate on any of Zach Wheeler's pitches is like 12 or 13%. And looking at Woodruff's right now, like his changeup has 15%, his slider is 13%. Like that's not great. great. It's not yeah. great. But at the same time, he's got two 96 mile per hour fastballs right. and they have good whiff rates. It's like a, a good whiff rate on a fastball is like a unicorn. Yeah. He actually like kind of has like a, a Lance Lynn thing going on. Because, like, Lance Lynn has, like, not very good secondaries, but, like, dope fastball But as yeah. far as fastballs go. Like, really underrated. Um, same with, like, uh, before he fell off the wagon, Jay Happ was, like, a really good fastball guy. And then, like, this new ball or maybe just old age, like, kind of did him in. But anyway, I think, like, you know, it's interesting. It's certainly interesting. I think being compared either to Wheeler or Lynn effectively puts you, like, in the SP40 range. 
if you're yeah. thinking like well i have them like sp20 so yeah oh, okay. That's i, I tried super, i super tried violent. telling him like he's way too aggressive on well him. yeah I, mean, I, <laughs> yeah I think I, the thing is like the pitching is like actually it's really top heavy this year like i've looked at all the names and it's like there you feel like you can get an ace through like the first 20 25 30 guys and i, yeah. I don't think like woodruff is interesting to me but i i don't think i probably could rattle off 30 names that i would take before woodruff and feel comfortable about it but like this is the kind of thing that i want to do like i woodruff's on my list of guys because everyone's talking about him and you know off the top of my head when i look at his profile and i think lynn or wheeler those are guys who are going to be like in the mid mid to late 30s or early 40s and hopefully his draft price will be around there that's like yeah it's like you know that's that's a guy that i might target at that at that point and maybe hopefully like people haven't really done that much research on him and he falls yeah. even farther i mean uh, i'm he just seems like an early hype guy his stat cast page is pretty though it's all red <laughs> yeah. yeah it really is all red i mean and i and then he's the type of guy you look at fip xfip and sierra it's like they kind of like some are a little higher some are a little lower is ERA fit right in the middle I think there's ups. I think there's K potential because you. I was. I think it was his O swing rate is. He's still swinging. He's. He had an above average, um, swinging strike rate, with with while barely a league average or even potentially a slightly below average uh, uh, O swing rate. So I'm thinking if he can just get a few more chases, that K rate has way more chance of. And I don't know. I'm just a little optimistic. And on top of that, all he needs is one of those other pitches. I think he has a five pitch arsenal. If he just has one of those other pitches improve just the slightest now he has a third solid pitch you know what i mean compared to those yeah. two i know there's a lot of needs to happen here mike sure, just, but also just his, move like, his foundation is his foundation is like strong enough though like it's not like you know i didn't i don't have to squint to see it let's put it that way like, there's guys where like someone will tell me like yeah if only he could develop like a lethal slider and it's like yeah if only <laughs> yeah. right. bad. but like this guy like i can see it like i i can see I'm asking for a changeup to be. Here. I'm asking for a changeup to be league average. Like I'm not asking for anything else. Like give me a yeah. league average changeup, and I think we see a step up in production. I understand I'm a little aggressive, but I believe DVR has him at like 15 overall. I'm not exaggerating. I think that's Ooh. actually wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Which makes you think Ooh. it's like, geez, it made me. It made blew my mind when I heard that. I think that's the actual number he has, and I'm like, wow. I thought I was aggressive. You know, I think uh, Pollock on one of his earlier rankings has him like 25. So it's not like I'm too far off. You know. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to have him this year if you guys are doing that kind of crazy shenanigans. That's crazy. You know, if, like, Derek and Paul are saying 2025 or whatever, there's no there's no way I'm going to be able to get well, him in a draft because he's only going to go up probably. I'll say, I don't know yeah. about Spore. I don't know about Spore, but I do know about Pollock. Pollock is uh, the one oh, I saw. Oh, Nick, Nick Pollock. I'm sorry. You said yeah. I heard Paul, but, yeah, Pollock. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, if, if – uh, same thing. If Pollock's on him too, then it's – Yeah. The, the helium's going to get out of control. Yeah. <laughs> The heliums point. are well. The helium's out of control on Lamette. That's a whole other discussion, though. Mm, yeah, and he's also on my list. He and Woodruff. Yeah, I mean, these. Are, I just basically just made a, a checklist of guys that I need to look at. <laughs> we're we're at crazy, uh, crazy helium guys early on. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm Lamette's interesting as two I'm looking pitch, at him right now. Literally a two pitch breaking balls. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's like a oh man, I don't want to say there's a Blake Snell thing happening. Um, 
I can say that there's a Blake Snell thing happening, but I can also say there's a Joe Musgrove thing happening too. Oh, um, and Lamette yeah. like doesn't have command, and like that's the biggest thing for me. But then again, like Snell didn't have command. Snell so, didn't either, right? But like yeah. Lamette really doesn't look like he has the capacity to do, to like kind of develop command either. And I'm not gonna like what was his walk rate? I could just see him having great games and then games where he just gets blown up. I'll see what's gonna bother you is he's gonna like. You're going to see him while he's in cores. He's going to pitch a gem. You're going to start him in San Diego and yeah. he's going to get blown up. Like <laughs> He's going to be yeah. at home against the Rockies who suck on the road and still get blown up. Like Yeah, right. He's going to be that guy. You know? he's yeah, be... I could totally see that. <laughs> but you know what? People love him, man. He's like he's going top 35 in like a lot of people's rankings these days, man. He's... Uh, I'm he buying in a little nervous. bit. But... I mean, it's it's interesting. It's certainly interesting. I I, I don't feel super comfortable about it um and i really like my bias my personal bias is against guys who have really high walk rates and he's mm-hmm. like he's a huge walk rate guy but and a like, home run guy too i believe and a home run guy because he has such a low ground ball rate um mm-hmm. but really like incorporating the uh curveball more this year like that's obviously been a huge a huge plus but mm-hmm. i think he i think he overperformed i think we're gonna get snake bit a little bit here but at the same time like is there like a Robbie Ray thing here happening? Which is um, okay. I, mean, I was saying yeah, Robbie like, Ray in my head. Yeah, like yeah. that. That'll do. That'll do. Um, but I don't know if I'm gonna overpay for Robbie Ray, and I could just get nah. Robbie Ray. Yeah. Can Can you settle one more argument before I I gotta I gotta <laughs> do this? Well, no, because we had this really big discussion. And would you prefer to take a Kyle Hendricks or a Jesus Lazardo? Uh, in a vacuum, um, in a vacuum. Well, I guess that wasn't that was that not the it? argument. No, no, argument. we had an argument on it, but it wasn't within a vacuum. What do you mean? I mean, you basically said. I said, I said, if you take a risky pitcher before, like early I on, the... I could see you settling for a Hendricks instead of a Lazardo. That was what I was saying. Eh, I still, I still don't All think right. in any situation I want Hendricks over Lazardo. Wow. Um, I think the deeper the league gets, I want someone like Hendricks because he's so reliable. Um, It's hard to ask that question. Like in a 15-team league, like if Hendricks is my fourth pitcher in a a 15-team league and Hendricks hasn't ever had an ERA above like (laughs) 3.5 or something or like 3.6, like that's the kind of ERA stability that you want in a league where like pitching is so desolate. But if there's like an overall prize, it's like national – fantasy baseball championship or whatever you're gonna go for running for overall you might you might go for upside um but i think it i think he's not wrong i think there's i don't know which michael which mike said the thing but like i think there's (laughs) i think there's you know there's a basis for taking lizardo depending on how risky the top two or three or whatever picks in your 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 it's definitely owner preference as well I just like to give him a hard time. I honestly had no issue with that yeah. answer. I just like to – I got him I got him fired up last podcast talking about it. That's all. So, I figured I'd add it in. All right, we'll let you get out of here. Just throw us a few names. A couple guys you're really into this draft season. A couple guys you're, like, a little bit out of so so far. I know it's really early. Yeah, it is so pretty early. Names. So, like, my, my big – my picks to click um, – uh, hitter is Josh Rojas, Rojas yep. um, who I've like, who I've been pretty, I've been hyping up since the middle of last year. And um, Urquidy, who's like kind of on everyone's radar now, he's my, he's my guy. Like if you're into Zach Gallon, like maybe, and you don't get Gallon, you know, take a, take a, take a wild card on uh, Urquidy there. Yeah. Um, looking at 
some of the, the profiles I've written, you know, I, um, I'm becoming more and more convinced that like Keston Hira in the sixth or seventh round is going to out earn Javi Baez in the second or third round. And I think it's just cause they're so, so similar in profile. Um, and that was kind of like that whole diatribe I went on like, you know, half hour ago yeah. about those guys like pervading <laughs> the, the league. So it's one of those like idle thoughts that I'm having is like, I'm probably going to pass on bias like a hundred percent this year and take quite a few shares of Hira if I, if I need him, if I need someone like that on my team. Um, who else struck me as like really interesting um, I'll say this and I hope Rob doesn't get mad at me, Rob Silver, because Rob Silver and I are like confidants in terms of like who we're, who we're eyeing in terms of pitchers. But Tony Gonsolin um, is really interesting to me. Um, I still need to do kind of a deep dive on him, but like his whole arsenal is really, is really intriguing, especially because he's like free in drafts right now and um, probably will end up in the rotation if the Dodgers are as fickle as they say they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would leave Dustin May out, probably. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Or Ross I mean, Stripling. They, you have so many pitchers there. It yeah, happens every year, and we're like, how are they going to get time? How are they going to get rotation yeah. turns? And it's like, it always happens. You know? It works out, yeah. Yeah, Maeda will get hurt. Stripling will get hurt. Everyone's going to get hurt. Um, everyone wants <laughs> time. It's just like he may not start the year in the, the rotation. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm still – you know, I'm just racking my brain right now for the guys who – who are interesting to me. And so, oh, you know who I, I'm down on, who I thought I would be not down on is Hunter Dozier. Um, really? I thought, yeah, I, I think um, – Interesting name. Yeah, I guess it's not, it's not really the question you ask because the opposite of the question you asked. But it, it was a guy no, that, like, no, no. I was super I into. Yeah, I was super into him last year. And, you know, I, I fabbed him hard. I got a bunch of shares. And I just kind of, like, let him sit in my lineup. And he produced for the rest of the year, but it didn't really ever occur to me that, like, the very early – contact gains that he he kind of experienced through may they just completely evaporated yeah, over yeah the rest he, of the season. i was gonna say he did slow down quite a bit towards the end yeah. if i remember yeah but like you said i, I kind of i traded for him in a dynasty league because i needed a first baseman and he was solid and then i just kind of left him in there and i realized kind of just whatever towards the end i i, yeah. I remember that he was really very man he's pretty average he was pretty yeah. average and it's like one of those things where i'm not you know i'm not super convinced that what i saw at the beginning of the year was actually legit you know yeah and we're talking about recency bias like maybe i'm plagued a little bit by that but like the rest of his season the last four months were just you know they were a spitting image of what he was before his like little mini breakup through may so i i thought i was going to be on him pretty big like in the you know the mid 150s or you know the middle of the the 100s round of Mm -hmm. or or uh you know tier of of hitters and i i think i'm slowly kind of backing off of that um so that's that's one of the other things that you learn when you do the deep dive is like i thought i didn't need to deep dive on him because i thought i was like gonna be super gung-ho on him and i learned something new so yeah man well i think that's gonna do it we appreciate you joining us man we really do it's been a lot of fun 
Um, yeah, it's been fun. Sorry I talk so much. No, no I don't worry about it. Like, it always goes like way over. No, yeah, no, no. It's great. It's we, we, we were, trust me, if you wanted to talk for three hours, we're not going to stop you. We are all, <laughs> yeah. we, we, you don't understand. We love this stuff, man. We would probably break it up into two episodes, but we love this stuff. <laughs> I actually we have just, one, uh, one more question. I mean, practice. go for it. If, if, he's cool, um, if you're cool with it, Alex. <laughs> that's fine. No worries, no worries. I actually, uh, I do buy the black book. So I just want to ask, oh. what are they having you do this year for um, yeah, so this is That's my first awesome. year doing it, and um, I'm doing the second base profiles, which I just okay. started. Like, I literally just wrote that Kesson Hero one, like, yesterday. Um, gotcha. And then uh, and then there's, like, a season-long Roto strategy chapter. Ooh. Oh, nice. So okay. um, I don't want to spoil it. I would hate for Joe to be upset about that, but um, <laughs> there's uh, – yeah, it's um, it's not it's not very general. I would say that it's like you know because it's a yearly book, like it's pretty it's pretty specific to 2020. Right. Um, so there's like a little bit of like a a mock draft thing going on, and me like thinking out loud about you know w- what draft pick I would want to be in the first round gotcha. kind of thing. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of conversation around that. So um, it cool. was a lot of fun to write. I didn't know what it was going to be like, but I you know it it was pretty uh. It was pretty nifty. It's pretty illuminating, at least for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, no, I mean, now I'm interested because I see Joe every so often chime into the group chat for fan, over at Fan Tracks, and like I, I just get getting to know a lot of the people and a lot of the writers like a, a little bit more behind the scenes. It's, it makes me want to read their work that much more because I, you know, I, I just have this little more insight to it. And now I might actually buy it this year. You might have sold it. Yeah, you should. It see, well, it seems very interesting, but the problem is honestly. I'm not too proud to admit that I read other people's work. I do do my own research and everything on that, but it's like, I always feel weird. Like, Oh yeah, I'll read this. And then people think that I gain my, that I just take their opinions and like regurgitate them. But that's not no, the case. I don't think that's a weird thing at all. Like I, I think feel- most people, I think it's weird for me. Like when I admit that I don't read enough, like I, yeah. I definitely find myself saying like, yeah, like I, I just don't have enough hours in the day for me to like read every article that I want to read. And I definitely like, for someone being in this industry, like in that regard, I'm not supportive enough because I don't read enough. So like it's two sides of the same coin. You're like, I don't, I don't fear for a second that people think I'm stealing from them or even that if people fear that they're stealing from me, like that never really crosses my mind. And maybe I have like the comfort of having a name, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And it maybe doesn't bother me that way, but like, yeah, I think, um, I don't, I don't know. I think it's, it's probably not, I, I, I would tell you not to worry about it, but I obviously can't like, yeah, no, I get it. And I can't dictate your anxieties, but um, I would say I don't just, worry about it. I mean, it's just from, from my perspective. Definitely, no, I, like, I definitely do my own work and I usually don't worry too much about it, but then every so often I'll realize like I point something out and like, like I wrote, for instance, a Kyle Schwarber piece. I wrote a deep dive article on Schwarber because the second half splits really stood out to me. And I found all this awesome information just to find out a, like a, guy i've talked to like a month or two before i wrote it wrote his article on schwarber and it was it, it covered a lot of the same information i was like oh yeah. man it looks yeah, somebody just, it just reminds me like you know uh something like that i mean <laughs> <laughs> but it's just one of those things that just you know made me feel bad like i was like dude I, I never even saw this thing i didn't know it existed but it looked bad because it was just so much similar information so oh it's fine it's fine and it's it's like bound it's bound to happen yeah because yeah. everybody everybody has access to the same information for the most part exactly yeah. and it's right. all about how you interpret it and put it out there so yeah i get it but man did it make me feel like like crap i wish i got mine out first type of thing yeah <laughs> again, I definitely, I, we all have those moments too so i would say don't worry about it i've definitely been like i wrote something and it's like oh 
no like someone like maybe yesterday wrote the same thing and it looks right. like i just like didn't copy and paste anything <laughs> yeah yeah copy so and just, paste. You know, it just happens it happens yeah. you can't be everywhere at one time so yeah i wish i read more you guys mike the other mike here he, uh, i never read his articles and <laughs> it's become a running joke at this point but i really <laughs> i've no i don't read any of his stuff but, uh, terrible co-host yeah uh, that's why you're off the show um anyway <laughs> in all seriousness i think that's a good place to end it um alex thank you again for joining us uh remind everybody though where you us unless wait should, mike are you, are you good with questions yeah i'm good all right Remind everybody your uh, Twitter handle because I, I know I can't say it <laughs> and all that and all and again all the stuff you're working on and all that good stuff. Go ahead and uh, yeah. pimp your pimp your stuff out, man. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. I, I write at Rotographs. My Twitter handle is Dolph Haldhagen. Um, I'm writing in the Black Book, and uh, yeah, that's all that's going on with me right now. So you can find me normally on Rotographs like once a week. That's it. That's, that's it. And that's then Matt it. tweets on Twitter all the time. But hey, <laughs> you you but you you're always on podcasts. I mean, we hear your name out there pretty often. So man, again, thank you for joining us, and I hope to have you on again sometime. Maybe yeah, it'd be closer, a pleasure. Closer to draft season, get your takes and some players. Sure, by all means. This is more. Know. This is more of a getting to know you thing. Well, um, yeah, you can. Uh, we'll let you head out, and me and Mike will wrap it up. I guess. All right. Sounds Thanks, good, guys. Man. Not a problem. Thank you. Bye. All right, and that was Alex Chamberlain, and man, that was actually pretty awesome. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it was great. Um, I hope you guys found it as interesting as we did, getting to know him a little bit and just hearing his process. And it was nice to speak to somebody who speaks as much as I do. This was kind of cool. Like, <laughs> like, no, it was like, but the difference is, is this I, the least amount of time you've ever talked on a podcast <laughs> for sure. But I told myself I had to be quiet, let him talk. Yeah. And I stammered through a little bit of it, I'm not going to lie. And I have I told you I need to work on that because I tend to want to speak before my mind. My mind's ahead of my mouth, so I tend to try to catch up to it. Anyway, we're going to call it a night. We appreciate you guys listening. Um, again, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Mike underscore Curland. The other Mike is at SP Streamer. We have articles coming out all day, every day, it feels like. I mean, I just released one on fan tracks, my second base re- preview. Um, I'm working on my third base one already. You were, you just released your top 100. Do you have anything, sure. else, you have anything else coming out? Yeah, um, I got a piece on Sierra, uh, 2019 Sierras, and what um, I think it indicates for pitchers going forward into 2020 season. And I'm also going to be working on a deep dive on Maeda. Oh, and I forgot to mention that if you want to see some of Mike's work, he recently, if you don't already know, got picked up by Fantasy Benefits or FWFB. I'm not sure. They go by at Fantasy Benefits. So he'll be, yes. promote, he'll, he'll be putting out some work over there. Justin Mason. I'm actually tweet. doing their um, pitcher rankings and draft strategy for their um, – what's it called? For their strategy guide for 2020. For their draft guide. Draft guide, yes. For 2020. Gotcha. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm about to kick it into high gear. Apparently, I am going to be writing for Fantrax's uh, draft guide. So, dude, it's big. It's it's bigger and better things in the future for us. We're just keeping busy, but that's not, we're not going to bore you with any more stuff. We got it. You get it. We, we're busy. We have a lot of stuff going on. We appreciate your support. And please, guys, if you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter. But as always, again, I can't stress enough how much we appreciate your support. And we will talk to you soon.